Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I'm interviewed by Mike Saunders on his influential entrepreneur show on Business Innovators Radio. We discuss the origins of human capital innovations, HCI's unique approach to working with organizations, workplace fads, and how to lead exceptional organizations. Welcome to Influential Entrepreneurs, bringing you interviews with elite business leaders and experts, sharing tips and strategies for elevating your business to the next level. Here's your host, Mike Saunders. Hello and welcome to this episode of Influential Entrepreneurs. This is Mike Saunders, the Authority Positioning Coach. Today we have with us Jonathan Westover, who is the Managing Partner and Principal at Human Capital Innovations, LLC. Jonathan, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure and I'm happy to be here. Hey, so give us a little bit of background of your business experience and then what led you to start the Human Capital Innovations, because I always love to hear the origin story, the backstory. You know, so many times it is, you know, I was in business and I noticed this was always happening and I found the solution and finally I thought, well, if this worked for me, maybe other people need it as well. So I always love to hear that. So get us caught up to speed and then let's talk about the Human Capital Innovations. Yeah, thanks. Uh it's interesting because I took a rather unique path towards entrepreneurship, I believe. Um, so I actually started off with the intention of finishing my master's degree and then going off and, and working in corporate organizational development, leadership development, and those sorts of areas. And uh, as I was doing all of my interviewing, you know, upon, you know, approaching completion of my master's program, uh, I realized I wanted to go into academia. So okay. I ended up putting all of that off and going and, and working on a PhD. Uh, but that also didn't quite suit me either. I knew I loved working with people and organizations and teaching. Uh, and, I, and I felt like academia would give me a, a great opportunity to do all of that. Uh, but I quickly realized that that ivory tower pontificating, you know, on, on all these abstract ideas and esoteric research while important in its own right, wasn't really what motivated me. And so I, I see myself as a scholar practitioner. Um, I did complete my PhD. I am a, a full-time faculty member. I'm department chair and uh, professor of organizational leadership at my home university. Uh, but very early on while I was working on my PhD, I realized that I still wanted to keep my foot in the door of uh, the practitioner world and work with organizations and real life projects. And so yeah. back in 2007, I started Human Capital Innovations uh, and have, have been working in that firm uh, since then. 
in addition to my my academic uh, career. So I kind of have this dual track scholar practitioner approach. And really the idea with human capital innovations is to take all of the research-based knowledge and understanding that I gained through my scholarly research, but I'll be able to uh, succinctly distill it down to uh, a way that will benefit all organizations and all organizational leaders uh, across different types of sectors, industries, organizational types. Uh, and so at, organ at human capital organization, at human capital innovations, uh, we coach, we mentor, we do organizational analyses, we work on uh, large organization-wide consulting projects uh, to help transform organizations to be more healthy, to have a more people-centric uh, culture, and uh, ultimately to be able to maximize their human capital potential. Uh, so it's it's an exciting thing, and and yeah. I. I'm really, uh, I really am passionate about that scholar practitioner orientation. Yeah, I, I love that example too, because it's not like you said, yeah, not so much. I'm going to change my mind and totally do this and do a full 180 pivot. You just shifted a little bit and you kept one foot in one world and one foot in the other. And they, they um, really have good synergies. In fact, for the last 10 years, I've taught as an adjunct professor in marketing for four universities. And one of the mm -hmm. ones I taught for a year on ground here in Colorado and their business department prides themselves in saying our professors are what we call practicing professors. Every single yeah. one of them are business owners, entrepreneurs, and they're able to, and, and I saw this all the time in lectures. It was, here's this concept, you know, called integrated marketing communications. Here's what it means. But let me tell you mm -hmm. what I'm doing with the client right now in their campaign to display what this really means. And then what you'll find is too, is in your clients, you're able to mention something and say, well, you know what? This has great academic foundations because this is the philosophy of. And I think that that's such a, a wonderful synergy that a lot of consultants are not able to bring to their clients. Yeah, I hope that's a value added um, of what we do at Human Capital Innovations. Uh, you know, it's been my experience in working with lots of organizations and crossing paths with lots of consultants that you really have all types, right? Yeah. And 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 I don't mean to be dismissive or demeaning of of, of uh, any other firms, but there is uh, there is an important necessity to having solid research foundations for what we're doing, not just going with the recent fad, you know, or, or the, the current trends. And uh, while it's important to, to keep in mind and, and pay attention to uh, the changing nature of work and the shifting uh, global landscape and the economy, all of that, we, we have to all be futurists and we have to try to, to uh, see into the future and try to figure out what that means for organizations to be competitive, but that doesn't mean we jump on every bandwagon of every new um, business fad. And and sometimes organizations can waste a lot of time and money uh, trying to go at chasing those fads. And so that's yeah. something we we don't do. You know, we we want to have a research orientation. We want to help organizations collect data that will give them good insights. Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard many times before the old adage of garbage data in garbage uh, outputs, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. If you yeah, don't get the good data, you can't make good decisions based on data. And we all know that organizations, the organizations of today 
want to be more data driven, uh, but a lot of them don't know how. They don't know how to, to collect the data effectively. They don't know how to analyze it effectively. They don't know how to gain insights from that data, and they don't know how to then implement it. Uh, and so that's some of what we, we do at Human Capital Innovations. Yeah, I uh, I love that. And I want to ask a question about the name in a second. But what you just said makes me think of a question about fads. What's an example of a fad that you see some organizations might be trying to follow, but then through your guidance, you can move them in a direction where it's more effective for them? That's a great question. Uh, you know, one that I saw w- within the last decade, there's been a lot of tech organizations that have jumped on the fad of ditching performance reviews. Hmm. Um, and, and largely for good reason, frankly, because performance reviews have been shown repeatedly to not be terribly effective. And, and when I say performance reviews, I mean the traditional annual review process yeah. where you go through once a year, your manager evaluates you, you get some feedback. And there's really no question, uh, you know, based on the, the research, as well as all my experience working with organizations, that doing a once a year performance appraisal as your performance management doesn't work. Uh, it, it has all sorts of flaws and actually can cause more problems than good. And so uh, starting really about a decade ago, uh, a bunch of tech of the, the high tech companies started to say, you know, we're just ditching performance reviews. Um, and, you know, once, once an Adobe or a Google start to do that, then other people start to jump on that bandwagon yeah. without necessarily paying closer attention to what that actually means. And you and I both know that there's no way that Adobe isn't managing. Doing something. Yeah. They might not exactly. be doing it once a year, but they, they, <laughs> exactly. they should be doing, it's kind of like the old, makes me think about the way old management concept managed by walking around, you know? So it's yeah, like yeah. if you're actually managing by walking around, whether that's walking through the floor or online zoom virtual popping into people but the point is maybe that is a modified form of an a, a performance appraisal because you're going oh that's a really good job you're doing right there hey maybe if you just took this direct, okay good we'll see you next week and i think that that it's like the constant never-ending you know performance appraisals exactly and that's really what we've seen and so when you when you see like an adobe they don't do the once a year performance appraisal because it's not effective but they absolutely do uh, performance management. Yeah. They just have yeah. more real-time performance management. Um, and, and the structured performance management is more frequent. So instead of once a year, you know, they're doing it quarterly and, uh, and they're doing the more, imp- uh, the more unstructured and personalized check-ins uh, and those sorts of things. And we know that millennials and Gen Z employees love having the constant feedback. They love having the opportunity um, to grow and develop, and they like that that more direct coaching. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, if an organization is just going to jump on that bandwagon and say, okay, no more performance appraisals, and they have nothing, then yeah. that's that's really dumb. Uh, that's and not the intent. No, that's not the intent at all. Um, another fad, and not necessarily a fad, but um, it, it it's one uh, that I, I just caution organizations. And you may have read recently, there's more and more studies coming out about the impacts of open workspaces. Um, yeah. that, that really took off, again, especially in high-tech uh, firms, to have all these open workspaces, no offices. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And, and, and there can be a lot of good that can happen. But some recent studies out of Harvard and other places 
have demonstrated that it actually can reduce the amount of collaboration and innovation. Um, and again, an what's the one concept. reason for that? What, what do those studies say? The one reason, because I know the one thing that I would say, but I'm not in your world. So I'm curious to uh -huh. see what's that one reason why maybe collaboration would not be where they want it to be. It's the idea that, I mean, obviously the idea behind openness is that people just bump into each other. And when people are constantly bumping into each other, collaborations will naturally happen. But what, what's being seen uh, through the research is that actually people aren't. They're just putting on their noise-canceling headphones, working in their yep. workstation. Yep, and, that's what and I was going to say. And they're just yeah, because in Isn't it interesting... Screen. Yeah, you think like, oh, look at this open and there's no cubes and there's and but then here's these people coming and going, I can't even concentrate. So I need to put something on to cancel the outside and to focus on maybe they're listening to classical music. Maybe they're listening to, a yeah. you know, easy listening, whatever they're listening to. It's what they want to hear. Not all the hubbub. Whereas the intent was let's get people like, you know, overhearing someone going, oh, that's a good point over there. I can help with that. But it just I think that you walk around and look her and go earphones, 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 and everyone's in their own little world. May as well just be in a, an office with the door shut. Yeah, and in some ways it's worse because when you're in an office with your door shut, at least people can, you know, get up and take a stretch break and walk around the office and go knock on your door and pop in yep. and say hi. And and But when someone's sitting there next to you wearing noise-canceling headphones, <laughs> you may not be as inclined to uh, yeah. to disturb them. Now, I say that not, not to disparage open um, office space yeah. settings. I mean, th there's a time and a place, right? And, yeah. and so when I go in and work with an organization, you know, I'm not going to necessarily say you should never do traditional performance reviews or you should never have an open office workspace. Yeah. Um, the, the whole point is you need to ask the critical questions and you need to figure out if it actually makes sense for your organization, for your culture, and for what you're trying to accomplish and asking those hard questions and really thinking about it, then you can determine, you know, uh, an effective workspace that works for your people. You can determine an effective assessment strategy for, you know, employee engagement and productivity. You can, you can uh, come up with the metrics that are going to be useful for you. And it, it's not cookie cutter. And that's, that's maybe another fad that you just sometimes see with some consulting firms is and, and it makes sense in a lot of ways. Be, you see kind of off-the-shelf cookie-cutter types of offerings um, that make a lot of sense in terms of economies of scale, uh, but each organization has such a unique context. And even if I've worked, you know, I, I could work with 100 organizations with very similar profiles in terms of size, sector, um, uh, product, service, and, and those past experiences can inform how I'm going to engage with a, a current client who's also in that space. But if I'm just trying to plug in, you know, square peg round hole, um, one firm after another, I'm going to miss stuff. I'm going to yeah. end up inadvertently causing, in some cases, harm when I'm actually trying to help. And so it's, it's not necessarily, I mean, there's a reason why fads take off. It's because they have been effective. 
and they've worked very well for certain organizations, and that's that's fine. Um, how about this? Uh, how about this fad that is like real time, and it might not be a fad; it might just be this is the world we live in. But at the time of this recording, we're going through the quarantine, COVID, coronavirus, work, you know, uh, um, uh, separation. So. Yeah we're being forced to work virtually and, and there's now a lot of, I literally just am staring at right now an article in Forbes from 15 hours ago, Twitter and square announced work from home forever option. Yep. So yep. what are your thoughts on, you know, virtual when we get back to whatever normal is going to look like, is it going to be okay now virtual is out the window and we're going back to business as usual, or are there going to be elements of the virtualness but I would venture to say that in your work, you see some organizations that go, we're forced to do virtual now, but I don't really trust my employees is what the CEO might be thinking. He would never say it, but he's like, I don't know that, you know, there's a lot of work not getting done. So we got to get back to the office. But in reality, I've heard that there's some studies that say when you're given that freedom and flexibility, there's actually more output because you love the fact that you can take a lunch break for two hours and then work till 9 p.m. after the kids go down. Yeah, and in fact, uh, that's that's an area of my own research um, in looking at employee satisfaction, um, motivation, engagement, inspiration, those sorts of topics. And there's no question that various work-life balance um, elements, including scheduling flexibility, is viewed extremely highly by most employees. And most employers have found them to be, when when they implement those types of policies, they find it to be fairly effective. Um, not universally, of course, and it depends on what your workforce needs to do, obviously. But, um, yeah, with Twitter, for example, uh, virtual work for forever, if people want, um, that's super interesting. Now, obviously a a tech company like that, I think one thing they're realizing, um, like we're all starting to realize is that we can do a lot more virtually than we thought maybe we could have done before, uh, because we were being forced into it. Uh, and we're we're having we're being forced to learn how to do it effectively. Um, so if if COVID had only you know been a a flash um, in the pan and you know maybe gone on for a couple weeks or a month and then we were all back to normal, I think stuff would have just gone back to normal. But yeah. it looks like we're going to be in this for the long haul. And once everything once COVID dies down, I have a hard time believing that organizations um, are going to wholesale uh, revert back to the way it was. I, I do think that there will be a return to shared spaces, um, offices and uh, collaborative spaces, because there's a certain dynamic that happens there that you yeah. just can't replicate in a Zoom meeting. Um, but I, I do think that... Uh, I think we're going to have some remnants of the virtual that carry over. It's not going to be... 100% one way or the other, because you're losing some elements when you're only virtual, and you're losing some elements of virtual when you go back to only in the office because maybe morale. So, I mean, just like anything, it's never 100% one way or the other. It is never always or never. Um, it's it's like, let's just bob and weave and go with the flow and see what we liked about virtual and go, you know what, maybe instead of doing like a casual Fridays, we're going to go virtual Fridays and maybe that's going to gain us, you know, some employee engagement and, and still the output needs to be whatever that it is. Um, and obviously, if you work on an assembly line, you can't do virtual Fridays. You have to right. touch things yeah. and assemble. But where that 
can be. So I think that's a really uh, a neat concept to think about. Um, yeah. You know, here's a so question I, that I was going to yeah, ask go too about the name of human capital innovations, because obviously human capital is you know humans the the um, the workforce, so it's kind of like yeah. human resources, and I love yeah. the fact that you're putting innovations in with human capital because it's almost like it's elevated. So let's not just think about HR. You know, that's the old school. You know, human resources and human resources management. But how are we going to infuse innovations in with getting the most out of the workforce? What is what were your thoughts on bringing um, that even that approach to the the naming of your company? Yeah, that well, that's absolutely it. What you just said. Um, you know, I have a long background in HR. Um, that's really my start into into the world of organizational development was in through HR. Um, some people get into OD and change management through other fields. Um, but with, within HR, there's been a huge shift over the last 20, 30 years. Um, you know, originally personnel management, and then it kind of turns into human resource management. But HR today should be much more strategic than legal compliance and some of the administrative um, types of tasks that you have to do for payroll and those sorts of things. So while those elements are important, um, human resource management necessarily needs to be much more strategic, much more people centric and oriented and a good human resource manager needs to be able to understand the entire business, not just their narrow little niche. Uh, and so my perspective on working with organizations is really taking a systems approach to understanding organizational challenges and problems and how to resolve them. Uh, and so that means you have to understand the holistic business. You can't just take the one narrow approach because then you're just playing whack-a-mole. You know, if, yeah. if, if I'm only focusing on HR, um, then I'm not considering the marketing components or the operations components, the finance components that are absolutely dri partly driving the, 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 the outcome, right? And so partly naming the company Human Capital Innovations back in 2007 was absolutely my mindset towards a more um, forward thinking, futuristic type of an organization that uses systems thinking and design thinking to really think through all of the complex challenges an organization faces and trying to take new innovative research-based approaches to addressing those problems. Yeah, I, I love it. That's uh, that makes a lot of sense. It, it kind of reminds me of you know you you get a, a fancy name that people kind of go what kind of cock their head a little bit and it's like oh well you know how in the old days you used to deal with HR and and human resources management. Well, what we do is we elevate it by talking about human capital innovations. You got to compare it, but it's not the same thing. It's got traces of, but I like how you take that approach. So um, let's wrap up with um, just what's the best way that people can reach out to you and see what types of uh, programs and services and um, listen to your podcast and, and uh, engage with your company. Yeah, great. I, I would love to have people uh, reach out. You can get in contact with us by going to www.innovativehumancapital.com. And there you'll see all of our various uh, offerings. We, we have a lot of free offerings. If you go to our research tab, you'll see a whole range of of types of free research that's available for any organizational leader to start utilizing, uh, including webinars, including podcasts, including research briefs. Uh, did I lose you? Nope. Uh, research briefs. Oh. 
yeah, I'm sorry, uh, uh, research briefs, and um, th there's a wide way to interact. Uh, you can also contact me directly, either through the website, or you can contact me directly um, at john, J-O-N dot Westover, W-E-S-T-O-V-E-R at gmail.com. And I'd love to set up an initial call just to have a discussion. And then we can schedule more uh, meetings after that if, it, if you deem appropriate. Perfect. Well, John, thank you so much for your time today. It was really fun talking with you about uh, your company. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Influential Entrepreneurs with Mike Saunders. To learn more about the resources mentioned on today's show or listen to past episodes, visit www.influentialentrepreneursradio.com. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.